0: Hey, did you know that our podcast is sponsored by Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to This Connected with Catholic.Dad podcast. I'm Catholic.Dad, former youth ministry coordinator. Now, who spends his time as a catechist, husband, and, well, um, dad? In this podcast, we share experiences, point of views about faith, life, church, and whatever comes along the way. There are no right or wrong topics here, just open and honest conversations to connect generations and situations to not necessarily agree, but definitely be listened to. It's all about leading us closer to, well, God. So we hope you listen and in the end feel like this connected. Welcome back, fam. So here we are at Chino, Chino, California. And we're at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish um, with Father Ed. And I brought with me our co-host, which is Luis. He's from St. Mary's. And we're going to do our introductions just like usual so that um, we know who everyone is. But we want to thank Father Ed for really taking the time. This is a really great uh, opportunity. We're talking about Season 2, about families, and um, as Father Ed... He's the spiritual father for a whole bunch of people, um, and actually, some of his uh, um, parishioners are here as well. So let's do our introductions from left side. So, co-host. Uh, what's up? I'm
1: Luis. I'm here co-hosting this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hi everyone. My name
0: is Alexis. I am the youth minister here at Liguana Guadalupe, China.
1: Hi, my name is Iqbali. I am part of the youth
0: group Biology Chino. All right, and now we got Father.
2: She's also well, his sister. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> throwing that oh, out there. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Father Ed Gomez, uh, born and raised in uh, Rialto, California. <clears throat> my daddy's from San Bernardino, my mama from Riverside. Yeah, so this is home. So, Chino's. Well, Chino's Chino. It's a great place. It's good to, have to be here. So. It smells better now. Uh, it always smelled good. Cows <laughs> <laughs> smell like, um, you know, pre-cooked hamburgers. Okay, what's going on? So, What are we here for today?
0: So we're here, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we were asked, and it's like this connected, is, well, why don't you interview a priest? And, and here I was thinking, well, let's interview our par- parish priest, Um, But we're like, oh, we already know him uh, enough. And something stuck out to me. And um, well, shout out to Anna. Anna is the one who got me involved in church. Um, You guys know her. Roll the eyes. Yes, I roll my eyes with Anna as well. (laughs) Shout out, Anna. You're not here. But one of the things that struck out to me was which priest. And I just remember growing up seeing the priest that I remember wearing black Cossacks. Totally intimidating (laughs) Not saying that's you That's you Um, And I remember seeing you once For the advent uh, Confessions And here's this man coming in In full Cossack And I was like in line for confessions And you got up And you were carrying this crucifix And you put this crucifix On top of that person I'm like I'm not ready for an exorcist and that is so intimidating. But I wanna interview that guy. It's that guy. So that's why you're you were chosen. Yeah? Oh, <laughs>
2: Well, we could still pull out the crucifix and a lot to it. And by the end of this podcast, you never know what might happen here, sir. So, so tell us yeah. about you. It's like
0: uh, you know, uh, Luis is here. He's he's the guy who has a lot of questions because Luis actually is discerning vocation to the priesthood, and that's why we brought him. But you, you're you're a local guy. You know, most of our priests, our priests are like from India, from Pittsburgh, from Chicago, from the Philippines, and it's very rare for us to see. Uh, a local guy because you know how this you, well you know where they live you know how they are and that's so what I always said with regards to in youth ministry when I was doing youth ministry is we needed a priest who knew where these guys were coming from and you know to call it what it is
2: well for that reason I never wanted to be here <laughs> um, my dream was to get out of San Bernardino area and never really returned home, so I went away to school after high school. Went to the University of Notre Dame. I say go Irish, but they're doing really bad football this year. So they really <laughs> deserve a shout out. Uh, okay, but so that shout out uh, it was no, it's not a shout. Out. <laughs> okay, so uh, the uh, I went away and I had no intention of coming back. I just came home for Christmas break, spring break, uh, not spring break, uh, summer break. And I was hard over home. This is not home. I didn't feel like I was home anymore, um, and so I was planning on a life elsewhere. And when I was, I, when I was fourteen, serving at uh, Old Saint Thomas More Church, which is now part of uh, Saint John the Twenty Third Church there in Rialto, North Rialto. Um, I received the call to be a priest, and I said no. And it was <laughs> definitely the Holy Spirit telling me, because I was asked if I wanted to be a priest, and I looked at the person and I said. No. Okay, I just said no, but the spirit jumped inside of me, and I realized, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said no for eight years. But in the meantime, I finished high school. I loved the church. I loved, I loved the church. So I was a little kid. I was saying the Mass with the priest out loud, so that got me pinched a lot. Um, and we had to sit in the back of the church, away from all the other nice people, because I was too loud. <laughs> but I love that. That hasn't mass. changed. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, but now I'm in charge, which is even better. I'm up front, so you have to put up with me. But then I, I uh, really enjoyed, I really liked church, and I enjoyed the people who were at church. They were mostly older folks. I used to go to daily mm-hmm. mass I was in junior high school and high school during breaks. I would ride my bike, walk. Uh, eventually, I learned how to drive. I would go to mass eight o'clock every morning, and there would be the same small group of people, maybe fifteen, sixteen people, all over the age of seventy, and just the best people in the world. I loved them very much. Of course, I was still a teenager, and they you know, they were very kind to me. They, they enjoyed seeing me there. Uh, that a very kind pastor, Father Thomas Gillespie, God rest his soul. He was. Uh, Good man, really good man, very honest man, tried very hard. But I discovered something. People really didn't like their priest. They would always talk about the priest badly behind their backs. To their face, they're all, oh, yes, Father, yes, Father, yes, Father. Oh, yeah, great servant, Father. Behind their backs, in my family and all the other families, everybody was saying the same thing. They were just criticizing everything he said and did. And I'm going, so when someone asks me if I want to be a priest, I'm going, why? Exactly. You guys hate us. <laughs> I mean, you, what is that? I mean, that's not right. There's no way I'm going to be a priest. But like I said, the Holy Spirit decided, told me otherwise, and I said no to the Holy Spirit. And eventually, it took eight years, because I'm very stubborn, As so I discovered that my turnaround time on things, when I need to change my life, it's about eight years it takes me about 8 years to make any real changes in my life. I just really 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 stubborn. Oh, wow. okay. Uh, so so yeah, um, then I uh started to go away for university cuz I wanted to get away from home. That's what I told my mom when she when I applied to to Notre Dame uh but, I mean, she, they, you know, she she was so upset that I was leaving home, and so she just says, "Why do you want to go there?" And I just told her, "Well, it's two thousand miles away from you," <laughs> and uh, which which hurt her. But being my mom, she just gave me that look and just gave me a, a slug. She she would do that to end the argument. She would just punch, not too hard. I mean, it didn't hurt. It was just like letting me know that she was she wasn't happy, but. It ended the conversation right there, and so I went away to the university, and she was so happy I was gone. Um, <laughs> they took over my room. Uh, they, I went came back home for Christmas break, and I had nothing. None of my stuff was there anymore. So, uh, and they sold my car. Uh, so then I realized, oh, I guess it's not so bad, and it was, it was good. It was a good experience being away from home, um, and I had never intended to come back here, and I started. I didn't um, really want to be a priest, but all the indications were there. The university, of course, Notre Dame, was mm-hmm. the best Catholic university in the world. And it was awesome. There was mass five, six, seven times a day between the Crypt Church and the Basilica. Confessions three times a day, and I was there almost every day. Uh, <laughs> there was holy hour, adoration, rosary <clears throat> there in the grotto. There was just... Oh, the, the life of the, the faith was so immense. It was so wonderful. Um, I, I did study sometimes, um, but I was just really into just, the, it was great. A life of the faith, they do so much social justice, social service work to the university. 95% of all the students, um, you know, I should get paid for this commercial, but 95% <laughs> of, of all the students are active outside of the campus doing social justice or social service work. It's just what we do. And we, the greatest thing we have, the thing we pride ourselves, our, our, pride ourselves on is that we get prepared men and women who will be leaders of the faith wherever they go. And they do. They're, they go to their homes, they set up whatever business they're going to be in or career they have, but they're always deeply tied to the faith and working hard um, to promote the kingdom of God. That's amazing. And trying to support a football team that one day will win another you know, another national championship. I mean, that's our ultimate goal.
0: Well, we are Catholics, and there's always hope.
2: There's always hope. There's always... Now, you, Father, year. you
0: said that it took you eight years. Yeah. Now, what inspired you initially to become that priest after eight years? What was your well, inspiration?
2: Um, that's a good question, because men like Father Gillespie, <coughs> there was another priest, Father Bob Donat was retired now um very fine men, and, and they informed me a great deal um and then very strange priest like father bob miller was a strange he was a crazy guy uh, and he had just great zeal and the worst jokes but he was very very good and when i went to the university of course there were a lot of priests to talk to um and i met some very some of the old guys some of the younger guys uh and I, I drew close to a priest from Opus Dei. Now, they weren't a part of the campus, because Opus Dei, Notre Dame, it was kind of like, you know, eh, you stay over there, we stay over here, we're good. But we, we walked down to their, their house there called Windmore, and we would have Friday evenings there. And I really got to really enjoy, you know, having this deep conversation with this priest there, Father Fred Dolan. Um, and it was, it was good. I met some very fine men. And out of, out of that group, three of us became priests. Mm-hmm. Um, no, four. Because so I forgot about Rocky, Rocky Hoffman. He's a big-time priest down in the Midwest. His Father Rocky? Francis Hoffman. Francis Rocky Hoffman. He yeah. was... Relevant Radio. Wow. Yeah. He was uh, three years ahead of me at the university. And so he... Uh, we met again later on the whole. That's a, that's a, that's an episode in and of itself of this podcast. So, um that was beautiful. But that was an awesome experience that, that deep closeness there. But then just the routine of every day going to mass, praying the rosary every day, is what you have to do. You have because that's what you're going to do. And that's what you're going to that's what you're becoming. Now I advise that for all Catholics, okay? they everybody mm-hmm. should be going to mass every day, going to pray the rosary. There's no reason why not, except Work schedules. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I can understand that part, but still, to, to that <coughs> daily devotion to the Holy Eucharist is it's, it's essential. That's why daily adoration of the important. So everywhere I go, you know, as a priest, there's always adoration every day. You know, you can have the big days where you have twenty four hours or whatever. That's fine, but it should be a part of everyday life in the parish. Adoration, I maybe mean, just an hour. Chance for people to come in to be able to pray, but it's the mm-hmm. worship of the Lord, and the most holy sacrifice. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's just, it, but it's the core of things, and through that I was able to uh, um, just stay close to the Lord, and eventually He got me at the, in my senior year. It's a kind of a long story that needs a, another episode.
0: We're gonna have a season just you.
2: Yeah, well, you could do that, and I'll make it interesting. Um, <laughs> But uh, I realized, okay, I, what I did was I finally gave in right before Christmas of my senior year, so that would have been 1987, um, that year, at Christmas, I just gave in and I said yes to the Lord. One day in prayer, sitting there going, okay, everything else that I can do with my life, I can do all sorts of things, what I really wanted, it's not going to happen, it was a, it was a, girl. It was a there's was was always that men. girl. Was, yeah. Oh well, she was one of of, of other. Okay, just yeah. <laughs> anyway. another okay, episode. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's an episode unto itself. So the um, so I said no. I've known this has been the call. He's wanted me, so I said yes. And I didn't realize how agitated in the spirit I was, how un unhappy, unsettled I was in the spirit. Until that moment when I said yes to God, I realized that He had been pursuing me, and gnawing at me. All that time, all those eight years since I was fourteen years old, just trying to get me just to see: This is what I want you to do. This, you're you can do this. You can do this. Do it. And I finally, I finally said yes. And I felt so peaceful. And that's when I go, Oh no, <laughs> it's real. It's a real call. And. I remember when I, when I, I was trying to figure out. Okay, well now what am I going to do? I've been interviewing with the Legionaries of Christ. Uh, Father Owen Care, God bless him. He was a good man. Kept pursuing me. The Holy Cross priests even wanted me there at the Notre Dame. That meant tickets, fifty-yard line, and it was the game. Okay, I understand. This is this is a big deal. A big part of the discernment. 50-yard uh, 50 50 so line. Yeah. Or- it's just, it was, it was very enticing. And so, Mike Kuick, God bless him. Mike, he's still around too. Father Mike Kuick, he was, he was great. He was always coming after me, talking to me. What do you want to do? What do you want to do in your life, you know? Come here. Part of the family, you know? It's been awesome. And then I was also looking at the Trinitarians, uh, which, who work mostly in Baltimore and in uh, New Orleans. I did a lot of work with the, the poor, but and then Kentucky uh, I love Kentucky it's my favorite part of the country oh. out there the Appalachian reason, region and I, I haven't visited it in a couple of years but I like to go out there a lot I still want to walk the trail the Appalachian trail from you know, all the way from Pennsylvania down
0: maybe that's a youth group trip no
2: because um, <laughs> I, think, I think I would lose the kids <laughs> uh, they wouldn't be able to handle it the first moment they would complain I would leave them behind I am not going. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, there's a reason why I did not marry and have children. <laughs> okay, so, um, but yeah, but I I could take like you guys. I could take. I'll think about, Okay, we'll,
0: well, think about
2: Selena. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, We'll work on her. We'll see. Yeah, but you gotta be in it because it's a rough, rough, rough trail. It's a rough trail, and there's all crazy people's you know throughout the trail too. You have to be kind of careful, but. I love that part of the country, and I had worked there during the, during the, one of the projects called the Christian Appalachian Project, where we built homes for some of the poorer families, and just to meet the people, they were just they're awesome, and some of them had never seen a Mexican, so they didn't know if I was black or was white. Um, but I go, oh, no, it's Mexican, and just they kind of looked, says okay, you know. That they were just kind, kind, of hard folk. They had a rough life. Cause just the whole economic uh, exploitation that i <clears throat> suffered for so long. But that experience just told me that this, that I wanted to be in that part of the country. I wanted to live there. So I had all these options. So after I I gave in to The Voice, and I wanted to be, I said, I want to be, a, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to enter seminary. I didn't say I want to be a priest, I just said, I'll enter seminary, which is cool, seminary is school, I like school. And you know, you're studying, you're learning, this is awesome, this is wonderful. So, okay, I'll go in. And I had to make my decision. So it was right before Christmas. I was already home for break. And I was driving with my dad. We were going somewhere, probably to buy last minute Christmas gifts or something. And I remember on the corner of 9th and F Street, right there in San Bernardino, there was this old um, old uh, Spanish-language Baptist church there. That was... Ne- they. It was half avocado green and half pink because they never finished painting it. <laughs> it, it. They did. They did. It took them about 30 years, but they finally did finish painting it a couple years back. Okay, but there's something about that moment, that place, all of a sudden the voice of the Lord hit me and said, I want you here. And I said, Oh, I can't say that word here. Um, (laughs) Thank you for not having me. I was told (laughs) not to say that that particular word. Um, My dad, of course, looked at me like, because we don't cuss in our house. I learned that at Notre Dame. Um, And so we don't cuss in our house, so he just looked at me and I go, sorry, pops, just remember something i got to take care of when we get home. Did our business, came home, first thing, looked up the phone, call, uh, it was at that time it was uh, Father... uh, Father Patrick O'Keefe, um, and uh, he was the vocation director then, uh, And he had me in the next day. He's sitting there talking, gave me the packet. I told him, look, I'm, I'm over back east, so he says, no problem. Do all your uh, psychological things, all your interviews. You can do them all out there since they know you better than over here. You know, just you know, get a letter of recommendation from your pastor here, which wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. Father Tom was very <clears throat> nice, and also Sister Eileen Rafferty, who was the director of religious education at the time. Wonderful people, and sure enough, now one little thing about that, I decided to get my enemies at the university. I had enemies, um, priests and nuns that I disagreed with immensely on everything, that we fought. I mean, we argued on everything. I decided to have them write my letters of recommendation. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and I said, they'll sink me. They'll, they won't accept me. And I says, I tried. It didn't happen. I'll be able to tell God, look, I applied. I tried. They didn't want me. I'm out of here. Going back to my regular life, right? So all of a sudden, I get a card or a little letter <clears throat> in May. Informing me that I've been accepted into the seminary for the diocese, and I just said, oh Again I guess I'm going right <laughs> that I had to like, tell people I hadn't told anybody I was doing this You know my parents figured I was going to either I was going to apply for a you know, teacher credential master's degree probably both, uh, You know anything but not that you know not becoming a priest so that that was a hard thing to tell people because they were all sad. Nobody was happy for me. <laughs> Only my grandma, my mom's mom. God rest her soul. Dona Angelita. Because my dad's mom had already passed. She would have been happy too. She would have been very happy. But Dona Angelita, when I told her, when she found out, she started to cry. Because from the moment I was born, she was praying I would be a priest. She didn't tell anybody. She prayed for me and my other cousin, my primo, uh, Baldi. to uh, me. He's now called the Reverend Alfredo Salcedo. <laughs> <laughs> he did so oh It's a long story, another podcast about why he's called Maldi. But uh, my primo, uh, he was, was Catholic, and he discovered his vocation, his salvation, his vocation, there at the church, our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine in Eastside. Um, but the priest thought he was crazy, and so he didn't know what to do. So his wife was part of a small group called Church of God of Prophecy. And he just got involved... He became a missionary now. He's this big time pastor, and he's all well known. He's cool. <laughs> At one time, he had his church in Colton, and I had the churches in Colton, and we shared families. We used to call each other up Says, Hey, you know what, you need to talk to that guy. And he goes, Well, you need to talk to so and so because, okay. I think watch will be Okay, we'll see you later. <laughs> all right.
0: Dooming cousins. Oh.
2: Oh, it was awesome, but she was the only one who was happy for me. My roommates drank to my death uh, because they said, "Well, you're no longer in the gene pool." That's how they put it. God rest your soul, Dan Sophie. Awesome man, I love that guy. <laughs> Miss him a lot. He's a good man, and so yeah, so he uh, <laughs> it was not easy. No, not popular. Now the Catholics were happy. Those old folks that I. Mm-hmm. Told you about, they were like, oh, They're the holy rollers. Like, oh, they were awesome. They were clear. Jim loved it, you know? Um, and I was just like, oh my goodness.
1: So, what were your parents' reactions when, like, when you told them that you were, like, my dad just thing?
2: went like, he just shut his eyes, dropped his head, and just shook it because he knew what my mom was going to say. <laughs> when I told my mom, she just, first thing out of her mouth was, $50,000 down the drain. No. <laughs> of course, it didn't run. it. I went, what, $50,000 down the drain? She just looked at me and I realized, it was the cost of my education. Yeah. At that time, $50,000 was not just one year. It was the all four years. Uh, I just realized, Mom, I'm going to be able to use my education. She goes, forget it. <laughs> she just thought that she had totally failed because I decided to become a priest. She really felt like I was a failure
0: bad investment bad investment
2: yeah they could have done it cheaper you know of course I, I paid the loans back but a story. anyway again, <laughs> another podcast but yeah they were, not, they were not really crazy about it and I was kind of wondering about you know why did they accept me so I went to talk to Monsignor and he sat down and he goes look everybody sends very glowing letters of recommendation you know it's like this guy's already ready to be a priest type thing right but when those people wrote about you, I go, I know who Ed Gomez was. I know his strengths and his weaknesses. You know?
0: Oh, they were honest.
2: They were totally honest. And they, but they go, but they recognize, you know, he's got zeal and he loves the Lord. And, you know, he's got other problems with this and that, whatever, <laughs> but they, and he just read it, he goes, I knew who you were. And he says, Why'd you in here. And I'm going, oh,
0: yeah, so yeah. you're a diocesan priest.
2: Oh yeah, I'm very diocesan. Yeah, yeah. And what's the difference? The difference between diocesan and what they call religious order, order. priest, um, <laughs> around here, not much, uh, <laughs> except that the religious order priests get get to be in gangs. They are allowed to to group together and insist that they have you know one parish with two or three guys, where we'll get a parish by ourselves sometimes two <laughs> by <laughs> ourselves um and we just have to kind of um lump it yep suck um, it up <laughs> huh? suck it up you said that okay <laughs> i didn't know i do not know if i could say that word or not anyway so so yeah uh it actually i was warned by father mike kuig over at notre dame he says ed <clears throat> if you come with Dawson priest, you're just going to be a sacramental stud horse and I just looked at him and going, "Do you guys even know what a stud horse is?" No, you don't even know a stud horse is. Well, horses, we are G-rated. But... Yeah. So a stud horse is the horse that gets other horses pregnant. Pregnant. With um, new horses. Yeah. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay. It's oh, it's what they <laughs> yeah. do. Like it's a race horse, maybe. Uh-huh. They that's <laughs> Retired, and that's all they do. Is just <laughs> they're paid help make to uh, the next mate. generation of race horses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that G enough? <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so um, we'll have to
0: do a podcast on explaining what doing.
2: <laughs> So he called me. He basically said, "All you're going to be doing is just sacraments. You're going to be doing weddings, and funerals, and baptisms." He didn't know about quinceaneras. They hadn't done. hadn't quite hit there yet. Um, they got, They're there now. Um, and you know all the other stuff. You just that's all you're going to do. Just the work. You're never going to have a t- chance to pray relax or watch a Notre Dame football game on a Saturday. Now that was true. I never have time to watch Notre Dame football on Saturday. That's why I want to be a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I would want to be a bishop besides leaving people with that would be to have Saturday afternoons free so I can watch Notre Dame. And maybe get that fifty yard line seat. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. So yeah.
0: So what inspires you today to to stay true to your vocation? I know it's I know you as as the spiritual father of, of I don't know how many families you have here how many families do you have here that's registered
2: what? over three thousand active a little over a thousand that wow. show up on sunday <laughs>
0: and and you know we were talking about you know people are in here left and right you know crying and complaining and wanting something and 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 that's that's a heavy burden on one man and and yeah. so what, what inspires you today to to stay true to your vocation even with all these demands all these sacraments no you Notre you just Dame football. What
2: is, is one of the reasons why I, I wouldn't want to stay. Um, I had to learn. We are
0: trying to convince.
2: Yeah, and I'm <laughs> to i tell you straight up right now, Luis, This is this is the, this, this is the real secret about not the secret, but the real reason that every guy that guy we guys stay because a lot of our guys leave.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We've had a lot of good men just go because they it was just just too much, and the personal struggles and they just didn't want to go through them anymore. And some guys made mistakes that that that, you know, are alive and walking on the ground so they, they couldn't stick around. So uh, they take care of their families. Um,
0: oh, I got, yeah. it. oh yeah. Yeah. I got it. It took a little minute. We are G rated.
2: Yes, okay. you are, yeah, you're G rated. Okay, so um, you know, the reason the reason I it's this, it's kind of the same what happened that first week of, of being a priest and it's funny because you, you noticed the picture of Father Ray Rosales behind you. Mm-hmm. And Father Ray <laughs> it was, a, it was a very interesting pastor. Davis, so He was also pastor here. Um, my first parish was in Arlena, Guadalupe in San Bernardino. Now that's where I was baptized and my daddy was baptized. Um, that's the family parish, basically. So it was kind of interesting that would be my first assignment. My first week oh, I got yeah. there, Ray, Father Ray always had this thing. When a new priest came in, he would just... Turn to them on their first day hand them the keys and they would go if you need have any questions just ask the staff I'll see you in two weeks he would just take his he would take his break right then and then a <laughs> brand new priest you know and I'm looking and here I'm holding the keys and I'm going yes <laughs> I have the power We would have four funerals a day at Guadalupe <laughs> four nice. funerals a day we would have three weddings a weekend he didn't do quinceañeras until about three months later I started quinceañeras then. Then we started doing quinceañeras. Baptisms by the dozens. And that was an everyday thing, and I loved it. I, I was a sacramental stud horse. Yeah. And I was a stud. I was good at <laughs> it. I loved it. And it just it it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped because I learned really early on, but you need to learn really on, that one, I am not doing it alone. And not spiritualizing with Jesus at my side. You know, Jesus is actually doing all the work. Mm-hmm. That's another podcast, by the way. <laughs> okay, just write down these little themes. <laughs> um, but I realized that there's a ton of people who are helping all the time. Yeah. And I you know, I had a little little group of altar servers that I'm still in touch with from those days. Um, they're know, all all in their own little worlds, but they're really awesome kids, people. <laughs> Dads. <laughs> And, and and wives too some mothers um, and then uh, all these late people doing different things and anytime I would add I he said I need this or that there was always like three or four people ready just to just pounce on it and I realized I'm not doing this by myself this is awesome see I'm into I'm into I'm a musician I was a musician by training mm-hmm. um, and and so I enjoy especially classical music so I'm not into small little rock bands mm-hmm. I'm into like the 130 piece of Wagnerian opera orchestra right <laughs> okay you know tubas and the whole thing is yeah. there right and I'm going this is interesting because it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's been the kind of the pattern of my being a priest everywhere I went after that I went to St. Bernie's and Father, they gave me two churches at once because they didn't think I had enough work now they were small and they were just starting ministry just standing speaking in both mm-hmm. and well that just went crazy and they are two fantastic parishes right now they, Fatima has been merged with Our Lady of Hope um, and Christ the King was was suppressed and Our Lady of Hope took over what was Fatima and so that's, that's a part of Our Lady of Hope but it's still extremely active and I still see the people from that time that we trained we prepared we just kept teaching Training people more and more and more, and it just increases. It increases the work. Mm-hmm. You know, the more people get involved, there's a lot more work to do, especially just to supervise people, to guide people, to teach people. It was just getting bigger and bigger. Then they sent me off to India, and we were all in agreement that that was a punishment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do we dare <laughs> ask? <laughs> and my
2: mom, my mom just looked at me and I told her, "Mom, they're transferring to India." She goes, "What did you do? Goes, Maybe what did I do?" What did you do wrong that the bishop would send you to India? And I go, I'm, I'm nothing, Mom. I, I go where I'm assigned, where I'm needed. Awesome. India is so awesome. Okay, it's hot. That, that was Saint. It's,
0: it's hot. Saint James the Less. No, that
2: started with perpetual help in totally. India. I was there for two years, and I didn't want to leave. The people were just awesome. I still, they still call me, they still find me for different things, and I still mm-hmm. love that place. It was so hot. I go, I got there in July, right? Ooh. Well, nobody does anything in July and August. Because it's 120 degrees on a nice day. you know. <laughs> and if the, the temperature drops to 115 at night. It's just hot. And I'm going, how come nobody's showing up to the appointments? Because nobody wants to leave their house. It's hot. hot. <laughs> so I had nothing to do. And um, that was because then I, started, I was watching TV all day. I'm going, well, this is wrong. Let's not do this. And they're not going to come to me. Then what do I do? I started just making visits to um, all the politicians. I went to the police department, sheriff's department, fire department. I started learning. the went to the school district. I just got to learn everybody, who they were, what they were doing, to get involved. You know, what, what can we do? And yeah, I got involved in a lot of stuff. And it was so awesome being there. Father Rafael Partida, who's now Episcopal Vicar Partida, big wig guy. Um, he was my pastor. And poor guy, we had a school. And I was, oh. you see, when I was first a priest, they asked me, "Where do you want to go to be a priest?" I says, "I want to go to a parish in the desert with a school. There's only one, <laughs> <laughs> right? That was open. Was, uh, I needed professional help. And sure enough, they sent me to Seminario. No school, and not in the desert. Well, that's... this is a pattern. Whatever you ask for, I so let that joke tell God what you want. If you Absolutely. want to make him laugh. Don't well, God laugh, just tell him what you want. So he's laughing a lot. Anyway, so we did it. Um, we uh, I, I just had such a wonderful time there. And he had the school, and uh, he lost his DRE in the middle of the year. And he was already the principal of the school because he had lost the principal of the school. So he was doing the principal's job as well as the pastor's job. And I had to get the DRE as well as being associate pastor. And we made this thing work. <laughs> It is not advised to ever do that again, okay? But we made it work. And it was, it, India was a big place. And the, the work there, the, Some the, a couple of ladies, um, hermana Claudia, y hermana, oh. Don't hate me. Claudia and the other one. Ay, carambas.
0: They started the...
2: They started uh, what was, okay, it was with uh, Martha's Kitchen. Yeah. They, it was started mm. by the parishioners heading out sandwiches. They built it into a, a bigger organization, a That's not-for-profit. Center. And now it's Martha's Village. Um, but they're not associated with that anymore because their job, their ministry, is what they're doing now in Mecca. They just take care of people. They organize people. They just, yeah. They're grassroots, on the ground, always helping people. Totally awesome. You know? and, I was, and, I was, and I just learned from so many people. This is incredible. And more and more and more. I says, okay, now I know I was out here in the desert, you know, and I didn't want to leave. And then they moved me to Colton. Um, again, I didn't want to go to Colton. I told the bishop. Okay? <laughs> I go, bishop, and they want somebody me have back the Conception Church. I says, right now there's no Spanish language ministry, and there's a thing between north and south side Colton. You have Spanish speaking down here was speaking up here, mm-hmm. we're all happy in our two separate churches, yeah. you send me there you know what's going to happen he just goes, okay, he just nodded his head sure enough, that's what happened, and it was, having those two churches, I, I started with just Immaculate, and it was really changing things, and all of a sudden Father well, Pierre had to move on somewhere else, and they said, well we're going to give you San Salvador I said, no, I don't want it, I'll give it to somebody else, he says, look If you don't take San Salvador, we're gonna give both these parishes to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, I'd have to leave. They go, yeah. I go, okay, I'll take San Salvador. (laughs) So I had both these parishes, and I, I was, I was in charge, and I was by myself. They did give me a series of priests, you know, assistants to help me out, Mm -hmm. and they, they were, they were good guys, and you know, they were, but they were different stages. One was very sick. Um, one didn't know any English uh, another one was a baron and priest and he was Hispanic he was weak but they really, tr- they really tried and they were very helpful it was very nice but the people were just awesome
0: it's always the people
2: it's always the people
0: so what happens after, after Immaculate
2: because I then I went to Paris Paris and, and more then. of that that's, again that's another pod. Paris is his own podcast okay <laughs> coming here what keeps me in now I'm going on my 27th year of priesthood, and it's, that's older uh, than me.
0: Huh? Yeah, right. No, just kidding. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> you make those co- just to get your voice in here, right? It's, it's exact. Like, it's, a- <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, like a, yeah. it's your body. It's, like it's a sound check. Okay. Anyway, well, okay. A lot of things are older than you. And than you. So, like everybody in this room is younger than you are. Uh, so, uh, wait, how old are you?
0: I am catholic.dad50.
2: You're 50? I'm 53, almost 54. But I look better. Okay, so... <laughs> um, yeah, it is the same thing. I, and I've been handed so many tough things here at this parish, here in Chino. You know, and it's just awesome just to see the way people want to work, want to give, want to do. You know, but we had to build up not just leadership, but leadership skills. And that's what we're really working on. And uh, we've had so many changes with the, from the diocese about what kind of you know uh, leadership structures there should be in parishes, and so it's been it kind of a, this has been the, the toughest part. It's kind of very much a roller coaster of going up and down between what we have, what we're supposed to have, what we mm-hmm. could have. It's going up and down. There's a lot
0: of challenges.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow.
0: That's well, almost it. like a regular family, except your family is huge. Whereas my family I have two daughters and a wife and two dogs. <laughs> you have a thousand active parishioners and three thousand I got cats. And I got and cats,
2: rats, cats. I got mice.
0: That's a good description of your parishioners. Oh. <laughs> I am kidding. Kidding. Yeah.
2: Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the uh, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we do our own podcast from now on. Wow. <laughs> Let's do it. And we're going to invite our of <laughs> now. Let's do it. Anyway, so, so, but no, it, that's, it's the challenge of just trying to deal with what's going on. Not, it, you know, one of the things, I'll be, I'll be straight up about this. It's very easy for a priest to kind of create um, a very sheltered space where he just does his job and never really has to step out of the place. And it's very tempting for a lot of guys a lot of the young men have had that temptation throughout the country because mm-hmm. I, I keep in touch with seminarians in different different parts of the country. And they see this and they're going, the priestess, they kind of want a sheltered place, their own little place. It's their, you know, one square block of the city that they run. And the challenge is to realize, yeah, this could be considered the heart, but the heart's useless. Hmm unless it's reaching to every single part of wherever you can, you just spread. And so that's the real work That is that and that keeps me in this. I'm going, you know, the reason I stay, because anybody can do my job in terms of the job part. Anybody can do this job. You can do this job. Probably a lot more efficiency. <laughs> she could do this job. Okay? But being out there, Really getting out there to where all the people are—that's—it's more than a struggle. It's more than a challenge because um, it's where the devil is waiting for Mm -hmm. us. This is where the real confronting the devil. You'll never confront the devil here in church, okay? Unless you run a really bad ship, and you got all sorts of bad things going on here, you bring the devil in. The devil's out there. He stays away from the church, Mm -hmm. church buildings. Okay, he stays away from here because everybody here behaves themselves yeah. but out there they don't
0: I love, I love that image that I just got from that where uh, you mentioned the heart and you are the heart of this parish and you're the one that's pumping the life in this, well Jesus is the heart but you, you know this, <laughs> this, uh, the arteries that you're, go, you're going on to the periphery through the arteries the veins and things like that where you're not isolated inside of your house that we're in right now you're not just staying in here. You're going out to learn and being out there, um, working the mission, you know, doing doing what what, you, what we expect priests. I mean, when I grew up, we went to church to see the priest,
2: right.
0: and nowadays we see priests, you know, as like regular people. It's like um, you're approachable, you know. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, you know, you were very intimidating because I grew up in a, in a time where priests to me at the time the priests that I had were very intimidating um, but you know the priests that I have in relationships now very approachable very easy to, to speak to um, some um, with rice really nice words that they use um, and some with very angelic w- words that they use both um, get get to the point but um, when we come back, Father, we have some questions from our listeners who are, who are dying to, uh, to ask these questions from you because when I posted that on Instagram, hey, um, doing a podcast with Father Ed, um, anyone have any questions? And some of these questions Luis is going to ask for them. So we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and Luis is going to ask the questions from our listeners. Okay, we're back, fam. And we're going to ask some questions from our listeners to um, Father Ed. On our Instagram, we put out there what questions you might have for Father Ed. And Luis is going
1: to ask some of these questions. And um, here we go. All right. So, listener underscore Daisy underscore X19 wants to ask, uh, what are your views on homosexuality? And if you can also answer this in Spanish, because she put it in Spanish as well. Uh, Qual es su uh, punto de vista sobre la homosexualidad?
2: Uh, well being a Roman Catholic priest there pretty much is only one position as uh, church has said it's uh, a disordering of the personality uh, the person is disordered in the sense that their mind and heart are geared towards something that is not for their particular good nor for the good of the kingdom of God so that's pretty straightforward what we've always said about Homosexuality, there it's, it's not a perversion of sexuality, uh, per se. That, that That's the word we used to use. Um, homosexuality, in and of itself, is simply mind and heart that are ordered to something that is not necessarily going to be for their benefit. Now, when we talk about heterosexuality, or heterosexuality, uh, we fall into the same trap. Because... When we read scripture. When we talk about mm-hmm. um, sexuality. <clears throat> it's mostly basically saying, "Don't do it." <laughs> okay, <laughs> <clears throat> sexuality is not our the definition of who we are. Either as uh, heterosexual, or they call they call us now cisgender, cisgender. is the is the word. Yeah. Or and then not we're not binaries or whatever. I mean, and in reality, what we are in our sexuality. Uh, is that capacity to imitate God or imitate Christ, if we to put it that way, but to become the image and likeness of God? So within our sexuality, whatever the particular physical attraction is, whether it's same sex or opposite gender, both, or none. Um, was it the? Was it Emma Watson who said that she, you know, she's uh, self? Partnered, I think she says, mm-hmm. self-partnered, which kind of goes well. <laughs> we used to call that masturbation, um, <laughs> but I,
0: I, I, we still do. That's, <laughs>
2: yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. I guess okay. But the the whole idea yeah, behind sexuality is that this is the the deepest impulse inside of us to reflect the image and likeness of God, but it gets uh, thwarted or. Trying to figure out is, is it, uh, it, gets it gets messed up, mud- mud- uh, messed up, it gets confused, derailed is the word was looking at. It gets derailed mm-hmm. from being the image and likeness of God into becoming self satisfaction. So for both, for any gender orientation, for you know, for any sexual orientation, say, um, preferences for sexual <coughs> expression, um, if it is not focused on the Lord, it is. It's whacked. It's disordered. So that's not a popular thing to say, but it's what St. Paul was saying. St. Paul was saying this in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, when he said it's better that nobody get married. You know, don't get married. Don't do it. You only get married if you can't handle yourself. You can't, you know, you can't keep yourself under control. And he was doing this because he understood that personal sexuality, like that of Christ himself, was solely for the purpose of building up the kingdom of God. Use all of that energy, all that force for that purpose. Um, so don't become distracted in what you like, what brings you pleasure, because then you've totally lost sight of God. Mm-hmm. He's not in that pleasurable moment. Now, uh, I've had a little, it's been interesting because I've worked with um, Marriage Encounter, uh, Movimiento Familiar, Católico Cristiano. Oh yeah, I'll get to the Spanish part in a minute. Okay, and um, Cajun counters, uh, all the movies they, they they talk about homosexual. They try to they talk about the beauty of that union of, of man and woman, the pleasure of being a couple, etc. It says, yeah, that, that's fine. It's there, and you know, and people in homosexual relationships experience that same thing. This is why they're confused because they go. But this is where I experience what you experience here. Granted, they're not necessarily going to have babies, although they have had babies, <laughs> you know, but the, the thing is is that when we just focus on that, uh, for either, for anybody, we lose the sign of the fact that, no, for the image and likeness of God, okay? And that's what we have, that's what our sexuality is for and everything that comes up with it. You can get married and express that with making your children. Okay? But for the same reason that, you know, you will probably become a priest because you've already felt heard the call. So just give in. Just surrender to it and follow. I don't know if you have Lali, felt the urge to become that nun, but if it's ever crossed your mind, just go with it, stay with it. It's God. Okay. <laughs> so just to realize that, um, this is what we do voluntarily, we, we surrender that part of us to be totally devoted to God and what he does, you know, and everybody's being asked to do the same thing, that's a simple purpose. Um, so when we talk about what is my stand on homosexuality, it says it's a real thing, people have same-sex attraction, um, people have begun to define themselves in multigendered ways, but is it at the service of the kingdom? Or is it the service of self? Because either way, any way to look at it, sexuality always winds up just being about ourselves. It has to be, it has to go out into the others, to care for the others and to how we relate to the world. Um, so that's where, uh, and pretty much this is where the church has always stood on this. Although we've treated homosexuality as a, as a, a deviancy Perversion. Uh, it's been criminalized, uh, punishable by death, punishable by jail time. Uh, we still have some places in the US where you can still be jailed for uh, committing homosexual acts. Um, but if you look at it, you go, you know, what are you doing there? Because you're criminalizing a person's feelings, okay, about themselves and what their their preferences and their desires, how can you criminalize that, Um, or condemn it, or call it a perversion of the self, it's what we do with it, okay, and as the church we've always said, it must be directed for the kingdom of God, so that's what we aim it for. Um, And same thing with marriages, we're very tough on our marriages, you're not allowed to do whatever you want to do, okay, then you must discipline your sexuality within your marriage. That's why we don't allow the use of contraceptives because you must discipline yourself uh, to the use of well, you're going to use natural family planning. You really have to be very disciplined to, be, to listen to the, the woman's body and what she's doing. Uh, these are a lot of things. This is, this is a lot to really try to un- unwrap, mm-hmm. but this that's Basically, in a nutshell, what uh, the church does say about these things about the homosexuality, the relationship with heterosexuality, and who the person is—persons—they is, don't lose a person. The person isn't perverted. Okay. Right. The devil is. The devil's perverted. He's the pervert. <laughs> so, um, now you want me to do it in Spanish? A little bit. But basically, what the church says the homosexuality is. Siempre lo que hemos dicho, que es un, es, es un carácter desordenado ¿ah? consumido con sus preferencias, sus gustos, etcétera, que son para personas del mismo género, ¿Ah? pero tiene que pensar bien de esto porque también podemos nosotros, los que tienen la misma atracción a la persona de la otra género, de heterosexualidad, que también tienen también la capacidad de estar así completamente absorbido en sus gustos, sus placeres, olvidándose de que nosotros estimos para Dios, en su santo reino. Y, y en el primer Corintios, capítulo 7, San Pablo estaba hablando de esto. Nosotros estamos enfocados bien en el Rey de Dios y no debemos ni andar así buscando sexo con nadie. Y debemos casarnos porque ya no necesitamos el matrimonio. ¿Ah? si sí, la iglesia así lo promueve el patrimonio todos los diferentes movimientos que quieren que los matrimonios sean felices pero la verdad es esto nosotros no fuimos creados para el sexo Adán y Eva nunca tuvieron relaciones sexuales en la, en la huerta de Edén ellos no tuvieron relaciones sexuales cuando fueron corridos cuando fueron echados fuera después del pecado original Por eso nuestra conducta sexual está muy desordenada. ¿eh? En, en todos, en los heterosexuales y homosexuales, los que dicen que son binarios, los que son tienen muchos géneros y todo esto. Porque uno está siendo cónsul con uno mismo, sus propios placeres y gustos, y no el servicio. Es lo que San Pablo quiso llevar los primeros cristianos: diciendo, no se casen, no se casen. ¿eh? Pero dijo. Si tiene que casar, pues sí, cada hombre tiene a su mujer y ya. Pero que se cuelguen: tu cuerpo no es tuyo. No está por esta persona para tus propios gustos. Esa no es la mejor mitad. Esa no es la persona que te cumple. ¿tú? Existe matrimonio para entregarte completamente. Lo mismo para los que tienen tendencias a las atracciones de la, la misma género. Mismo género la misma cosa tienes que estar así para servicio para entregarte ¿eh? no es para satisfacción sexual es para entregar todo tu ser por la paz y bien de otras personas eh, para el goce de Dios bueno es algo breve lo más breve que puedo hacer yeah. mm-hmm. that,
0: that's that's um, thank you for for sharing that answer it's a lot of the times we do get a lot of the questions um, from young people and and from people in college uh, to tackle um, that question. Thank you for for really uh, answering that question, uh, Luis. What's our next question on our list?
1: Um, our le- our next question comes from a <clears throat> uh, listener. Sorry if I mispronounced this. Uh, Changi dot to uh, and uh, they ask, uh, why do we call priests father? <laughs>
2: 'Cause we're cool. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, you wanna you wanna you be your pops. Um it uh it's actually just in the old an old old custom and uh, you, you hear it all the time in the different languages, uh when we talk about elders and there were always elders. There were always what we would call grandfathers. They were just the elderly men. It's it's very it was a, it was actually uh Odd to have a young man as a leader of a of a church congregation of a parish uh, or community of Christians uh, in the first part, in you know, the beginning of the church, because it was very difficult work. You know, a man who knew what he was doing, who had the experience of raising a family, but no longer had to raise a family. That's why in uh, the uh, second letter of Timothy, it has the. Um, Requirements for a bishop and a deacon who weren't priests yet, and for that reason, that you, they wanted men who knew how to take care of business, were self controlled, uh, and whose kids are not going to be a problem. Uh, so that's what they did. We started to, father was just it's always been there, it's just it's not even a title. It's a title of affection. You don't have to call me father if you don't want to. You can call me whatever you want to call you. You know, it's not a requirement to call priests fathers. I like when I was (coughs) uh, on jury trial, right? All these guys were calling me father, and I'm just looking at them and going, "Why are you calling me father? You know, you know one, I'm not your dad, and two, I'm not your parish priest." Uh, A couple of guys, they were they were all actually ex Catholics. It turns out, (laughs) so they were used to it. But they just say, "Well, you're a priest, so you have to be called father." And says, "If you like us, call us father. If you don't like us, well, uh, just be kind." Um, <laughs> but it's it is the what uh, Arnell was mentioning earlier about leading a people. You know, trying to trying to, to guide people. Um, the other denominations prefer pastor, and the Catholic church. We use the past world the word pastor as a, a title, an official title. But we never use it in addressing each other because we only have one pastor. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only pastor. And his vicar is the pope. Okay? And so there's only one real pastor. That's why we don't use the word pastor for each other. And so father for us is that title of address, to you know, of, of affection, of care, but also willing to submit to authority. Um, it's not a required thing to say. And I have a lot of people who don't call me father. Um, I don't like them calling me pastor, and uh, reverend sounds weird, sounds like an old (laughs) cowboy movie, reverend. And (laughs) so just just call me Ed, uh, sir, uh, senor, whatever. Some people in Spanish, they use like senor cura, Um, they use um, senor cura, padre, of course. Um, There's another phrase they like to use presbytero is the, the Greek word but right? sometimes they use it the formal address so yeah, it's you don't have to really call us anything that's, I think that's something that needs to be that made clear because it's been lost you address the person as you, you see the person <coughs> as, you need see, as you need to see the person um, not as uh, you think the person wants to be understood um, but we have to you have trouble, difficulty like with police officers, judges. You still have to call a judge your honor and things like that. Well, they demand that that honor? You know, because of their role in the society. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, even our ex-presidents are called Mr. President still. I don't know why. You're gone. You're lost. Um, <laughs> you lost. Know, you're not doing it anymore. You're not or Whatever, making millions on speeches. Uh, but you know why are we still call him Mr. President or or Senator? Calling a guy who hasn't run an election or won an election in decades, you still call him Senator. A lot of these titles of honorifics, Your Honor, etc. Uh, so it's a
0: sense. title. Huh? So we could say it's a title. Um... Yeah. So
2: the the final thing is, is it's a title of address because there's a there's a familiarity. It allows you to be able to just to trust what might, what comes out hopefully but you're not required to call anybody to call a priest that from the scripture it, he was making that was the point that Jesus was making you've got father everybody has a dad so you have a father mm-hmm. and we have spiritual fathers too guides people that you, you count as a spiritual father and when Jesus said don't call anyone father except your father in heaven he was really trying to make that point of you know you can Look at somebody and admire who they are as long as they reflect the Heavenly Father. Amen. Okay, that's why you go talk to Episcopalians, mm-hmm. and, they, and they have a, a, a woman who is their pastor, who is their priest, they address her as Father, not because she's a male, they address her as Father because she is the leader of their mm-hmm. congregation, the affection they have, they'll call her Father. Yeah, that's interesting. They actually, they, it feels too strange for, uh, for people. So most almost them just call them by their first name. Then they call mm-hmm. them Reverend. Sometimes they still use the old titles of Vicar. Uh, things like that.
0: Every time I hear Vicar, I think of Monty Python. Of
2: course. Yeah.
0: The They're best. too young. Too young to understand what that means.
2: You need, yeah, need. to know Monty Python, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Explains the universe.
0: <laughs> that is that is Father Ed's recommend. <laughs>
2: Always watch Marty they still the thing ever. But, Luis, what's your
1: next question? Uh our next question comes from listener underscore Andrea underscore Y underscore. Um she'd like to know, do priests remember like everybody's confessions?
2: No, um, we mix them up if we try, <laughs> and so we think that somebody did something, and they really didn't do it, it was somebody else who did it, because, well, you know, we forget. Partly too, because we still use the box, so we don't always have face-to-face, mm-hmm. um, so we just, we just stop, we can't rely on our memory of people, we can't even re- you know, relate to voices either, um. And it's part of the gift, too, of forgetting. Uh, you, don't, you really don't want to remember all this, this the people's garbage, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that they, they really want to get rid of. And that's what you're there for, uh, to be in that place. And uh, you, you really want people to focus on the fact that what they're confessing is the abnormality. And this is where I use the word perversion. The perversion of their goodness, of who they are, what they're really supposed to be um they can they can get rid of that you know there and then so you don't want to see them as that anymore. Um, to see somebody as the sin uh, literally is to take the place of the Christ because mm-hmm. of Jesus who became sin for us And so our work in bringing this out is to help people one to realize that God no longer sees them as sin. He took care of that and two, So we cannot see ourselves as sin. And the priest doesn't want to do that either. So we do forget. We do forget. Because it's just too many people. Too many sins. We forget, remember the sins. (laughs) We just forget (laughs) who did what. (laughs) How about that?
0: I think everyone in the room is comfortable now with that answer. Yeah. (laughs) How about you guys? Do you guys have any questions for Father Ed?
2: They're like, ooh, can I? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Dead air
0: time. Please. <laughs> how about you, Luis? What's another question you had, personal?
1: Um, you answered all the questions that I had I that I didn't yeah. ask. You know, you didn't yeah. there's, right. there's
0: one that I think oh. uh, that didn't get asked that um, I think listener uh, Daisy uh, had. It says, how do you maintain strong in your faith?
2: You know, this reminds me, of, I was at P- Pomona Catholic a few weeks ago, and a girl in the back of the classroom, she's a senior. In your class. A junior in your, class, oh, junior in your a class. junior. Yeah, and she asked me that same question, then the bell rang. And I didn't get a chance to answer it. And I wanted to answer it.
0: So this also. is your answer. Whoever you are, that junior from Pomona Catholic, here's your answer.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's Daisy, I don't know who it was. Um, but it's but the exact same question, and it's such a awesome, awesome question. How do you maintain the faith? Maintain everything that, that I am. Um, sometimes very poorly. Um, but, even if it's poorly done, it is still the greatest question and struggle of my life. Because it is the question of what is life? What's it for? You can either just hop from pleasure to pleasure, um, trying to run away from death, run away from discouragement, run away from misery, uh, run away from pain, you can do that, or you can front it head on. The faith of a Christian confronts everything about life head on. You know, all the questions. We don't back away from everything, anything at all. We look at it, and we address it. We ask about the question of homosexuality, about warfare. We ask the questions about Correct politics was the best policy for anything. That's why we have an opinion on everything. That's why nobody likes Catholics as much, too much, especially Catholic bishops, um, because there's all, we always have an opinion, you know, uh, and we dress everything. Nothing is off limits. Our sexuality, our sexual behavior, whether you can use condoms or not, or the pill or whatever, you know, we don't shut up about it. The law that came into effect about offering the uh, morning after pill. Mm-hmm. For, for for women at, at college campuses. I'm surprised it hasn't been offered already. Either.
0: It's back on the books.
2: Yeah, so it's there. So, it's you know, it, we we speak about it, okay? And we will never shut up because a Christian confronts the world, confronts head-on every single thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does Christ say about this? Now, in doing so, it's interesting, we have a lot of different responses about all of this stuff, including... -hmm. Because you have a group, you know. The the, man said that you know abortion of any kind, any time, any place is always evil. You go, yeah, but you're gonna find out that there are there are situations where a life has to be chosen. You know, and you go, what do you do? Now we've had a great saint. She was a medical doctor. She chose to surrender her life to give birth to her child. And she had already had a few children and, of course, a husband and a hard, hard decision to make, you know. Most abortions are not that kind of decision. Most abortions are the same. The choices between the way I want to live my life and you even having a life. That's a different story, you know. When you have two lives who are in danger, okay, not a life that I would like to have in my future, whether it be an inconvenience or not, there there's no question. That's just it's wrong, and that's just wrong, it's an evil. When you have, when you're faced with these two options, you know, one option, <laughs> you know, one of you is going to die, and that's a very, we look at that, that's a very hard decision to make. And some will, some will choose to go ahead and abort in order to be able to stay alive take care of the children, their child. Now, I've heard a lot of different things of why they do it. I remember one confession. The girl comes in. She tells me she's going to do an abortion. I said, well, no, you can't. I'm going to do it. Well, I've already decided. I'm the appointment, so I just came in. Why did you come in here then? Why do you want forgiveness for something that you're going to do evil when you don't have to do it? It's not about your life, in terms of saving your life. You're gonna die if you don't have an abortion. It's about the fact that you're ashamed that you got pregnant before you got married, and you don't want your family to know. I says no, it's evil. And I, of course, I couldn't give her absolution. You know, she cried and everything like that. I said, no I to give you absolution. You need to not have that child. I don't know. If she ever had it or not? So, I mean? People, their their heads, the fear that they allow in there. Says no matter what, and it comes down to it. You look at that and go, no. It says the only time that we would even consider possibly aborting would be if both lives are in danger, and it's it's a hard question to answer. Um, as the as of church, we simply say in all cases, you know, abortion is always an evil. But there are some that we we have a gradation of evils on mm-hmm. different levels. Depending on what the, the future outcome would be, how tragic would that outcome be if you didn't abort? And there's some cases where if you didn't abort, both would die. It's where that, that has happened too. So these are difficult uh, things that that women have to face. Hopefully, not alone. But the reality is with abortion, it's mostly alone. They're trying to make. They have to make a decision by themselves. And that's the sad part. They don't have to. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You should always know that you can <clears throat> always go to somebody and speak of this. That's just an example of um, confronting the hard things that are happening in life that people are faced with every day. A Christian does not shy away. He's going to simply say, oh, abortion is always evil. If you do it, it's mortal sin. And then you go, think about it. Pray about it. Walk with that person. Okay? Not talking about a girl... 16 years old, who gets pregnant, even by a rape. Okay? Because we've had some wonderful people who've been born after as a product of a rape. Even within a proper Catholic marriage, sometimes a wife was raped by her husband, forced to have sex against her will. Yeah, So we're we look at these hard, hard questions. We, we have to face them down and look at them with the power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's this will definitely get you some comments and maybe get <laughs> me get a few questions over to the bishop. But <laughs> somebody will just know it's it's wrong in all times and all places. And he says, "Well, yeah, thou shalt not kill' is a pretty big statement, mm-hmm. okay. um, especially we with." I don't know how many guns are owned by you guys here in this room, but I do know that we love our guns, we love our bombs, we love our tanks and our airplanes, and we justify being able to do massive amounts of destruction postpartum, post-birth. Mm-hmm. Well, so we we are, it's a, it's a it's a total um, uh, misguided. Is this is the okay word, but it is really really uh, a terrible influence of the devil to ignore everything we do after a person's born, whether that is truly pro-life and the work of God. but beforehand and you know, we're very certain about this, we cannot have an abortion. But then afterwards you can be gunned down anywhere. You know, by anybody, even a person in authority can gun you down and say, oops, honest mistake. You know, says, no. Same evil. Same evil. And I guarantee you, if we deal with those other evils, the post-birth evils, the post-birth murders and, and killings, we will have hardly any abortions. This is the main reason why we do abort our babies. Because life afterwards is filled with too much violence and hatred. It's too easy to kill a child, to kill anybody. Whether anybody pays for it or not doesn't matter. They're still dead. Mm -hmm. So this is why I really like my job. Um, (laughs) Because we face this a lot, these questions every single day. You know, we, I have parents every day coming in. You know, my son just told me he's gay. My daughter told me she's a lesbian. What do you do? He says, well, you can create some ground rules about certain types of expression <laughs> of sexuality in your home and in your presence. Sure, you don't stop loving your children for who they are. The gay person is not necessarily who they are. It's what they're making themselves to be, modeling themselves into this, but at the same time, still your child. And who they are is much more. (laughs) Same thing for those who have to deal with their kids who cheat on their spouses, you know, destroy their marriages, get divorced, and you know, ruin lives like that, or have babies with five or six different women, or different men. You know, we can condemn them all we want, and we keep trying it, but it does not absolve us of having to love them. And they are our children. They'll always have that place, on the table of the Lord.
0: Thank you for the the honest answers. You know, and and what we hope is that people listening out there, people who are listeners, um, when they hear this, and the honest talk, and the honest answers from you, Father Ed, that the words that you say connects with them and and dissolves that disconnect and at least that they're listening and that there's connection and understanding and that there is um, someone to go to. Now as we close on this, do you have any last messages you want to tell our listeners out there and people?
2: Nah. I mean, you know it's uh,
0: It's another episode.
2: Okay, I'm life in a community of people uh, is is like is, is real life is. <clears throat> to be close to people. The reason why we have so much judging of each other and condemning of each other for whatever reason, uh, whatever political side you're on, or your opinion on this or that, about the church teachings, etc., is because we're not living together. We only judge each other because we don't live with each other, really, even in our own homes and our families. We don't pray together, we don't sit together, we don't... Eat together, and listen to each other, and love each other, with that same love that Christ did with whoever He sat down at a table with, with all of these, you know, sinners and Pharisees and Sadducees. He still would always sit down with all of them. You know, and, and, and you have to have that. That is a true community. That is a true koinonia. Now that, that Christ started for us. Okay, it's this is essential. Not to lose that. Okay, so this is a. Uh, if anything, this is where you find who Jesus Christ is and what we live. And beyond that, if you do not have that kind of community life with people, you cannot judge. You cannot condemn. At all. Okay, that's it. Bye, everybody. Next time.
0: That's all we have for you all this time around. I want to thank Father Ed and our guest host Luis and. Gucci man over there and said "Lolly, uh, Don't forget to subscribe to This Connected with Catholic.Dad on your favorite podcast platform so that you won't miss our weekly episodes that drops every Wednesday morning. Email us your comments and questions to Dad 50 at gmail.com or follow us and send us a DM on our Instagram at catholic.dad. Well, that was easy. Also, don't forget to rate and share this podcast. Remember, live a life of holiness. We will be praying for you. Please pray for us. And most importantly, be blessed and be be third. See, that was easy. (laughs) This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest. But not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay A memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s, with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at The Cabin 2021. Again, that's at The Cabin 2021. T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N 2021.